Hey, everybody. Welcome back to 30-something with Sunny. This is the podcast where we talk all about motherhood, self-care, and second chapters. I am so excited about today's guest. She is a woman I know personally, and I have wanted to have her on the podcast for quite some time. But because the universe has perfect timing, we ended up recording it during a time when I feel like the world needs it most. Shanna Wendell is the founder of Shine Wellness. She is a holistic wellness coach and a certified hypnotherapist. She studied at the Institute of Integrative Nutrition. She did the Hungry for Happiness program, and she's also a rapid transformational therapist. We're going to get into what RTT is in the episode itself, but the concept itself is fascinating. And for anyone who's interested in healing themselves or growing emotionally, this is the episode for you. So if you are new to the show, welcome. I'm grateful you're here. If you've been here a while, thank you so much for coming back. Guys, this in, this uh, episode is just chock full of so much good stuff. We talk about honoring your inner child, um, dealing with traumas that have occurred to us as children and how to correct those neural pathways to allow us to live free of that burden. We talk about triggers. We talk about um, emotional happiness. We talk about relationships and what it's like to be an empath in this crazy, crazy world. I feel like Shanna's um, information and her, her spirit is needed now more than ever. We are in a time of great, great challenges, not only in the outer world, but in, in many of our inner universes as well. So I, I know that you will take so much away from this episode. I'm honored and grateful that you're here. Again, this is Shanna Wendell, founder of Shine Wellness. All right, guys, I'm so happy you're here today. This is an interview that's been months in the making mm -hmm. with a friend of mine, and I dragged her in studio um, for a talk that I feel is going to be so healing for all of us right now. Shanna Wendell is a holistic wellness coach and certified hypnotherapist. I gave you all of her um, vital stats in the intro to the podcast. But as I said, she is the founder of Shine Wellness. And Shanna, it's fair to say that your work is just dedicated to making people happier and healthier. Can yes. we kind of boil it down to that? Yes, definitely. And you've been in practice for a couple of years now. And mm -hmm. I want you to tell us a little bit about your background and what got you into this, because we're going to have some conversations today that I think are going to resonate with a lot of people, maybe people that are a little um, critical of, of therapy or this approach. And I cannot wait to change their minds. So mm -hmm. you tell us a little bit about your background and how you become a holistic wellness coach. Sure. Um, well, I call myself also a recovering attorney. I practiced <laughs> law. That's right. I forgot about that part. <laughs> for a decade and um, just was not feeling satisfied in that career. Um, very conflict adverse personality, which made it very difficult to Were be. Were you a litigator? I did a lot of, I tried to take the path of least resistance knowing my personality. So I did a lot of probate, guardianship, okay. estate planning. Which can be emotionally difficult, I'm sure. Yes. Okay. Yes. You kind of see people at their worst Ooh, uh, yeah. with probate. So, mm -hmm. um, so yeah, after 10 years and having, I have a two children now. So um, when I had my daughter, I decided to scale back a bit and uh, went into construction law for a little while. And then come my son, I was just totally done with the practice and wanted something new and just had some life experiences that led me into holistic wellness. So I lost my mom to cancer a couple of years ago, and that was really the pivotal moment for me. Stepping away, stepping away from law, I was involved in some real estate as well, um, and just kind of kind of taking a deep dive into the holistic yeah. wellness world um, because it was uh, a very untimely and unexpected passing, mm. and I just knew 
there was something so much more than what we were being told on the medical side that um, caused her death. So that's kind of my yeah path. Yeah, you are what I call in this podcast a, a fellow second chapter, second, yeah. third chapters. Yeah. Women tend, I find, to um, need to. They don't choose, well, I guess it's a combination, choose or need to reinvent themselves after big life traumas, mm -hmm. life changes. Mm -hmm. um, is it your experience as well in working with women that motherhood is a pivotal moment when women have to or choose to make a decision as far as their careers are concerned? And mm -hmm. Shanna, it's got to be something like uh, hardwired in our brains because all of us mm -hmm. who have gone back to work after children have had that moment where we're like, okay. I'm reevaluating everything yeah. right now. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, so many of the women that I work with, because I tend to work with moms, mm -hmm. um, and obviously I have that understanding and that background myself, but what I have found to be the case for so many women is it is hardwired to a certain degree that we are the nurturers, we are the caregivers. When we have our children, that's all we want to do is make sure that they survive, that they're happy, that they're healthy, that you know the husbands are happy and healthy in their careers, and we tend to put ourselves on the back burner. And um, it's whether you are working, a working mom, or you're at home full time. It doesn't. I don't really see the difference in the level of questioning that seems to happen a couple years down the road. With am I doing? the right thing anymore for myself mm -hmm. here I've dedicated my you know my years to either a career and then children or to my children as I had them and not to say that we don't all love our children and that we're happy raising them we are but there's this sense of um like a loss of purpose mm -hmm. almost or a loss of lost sense of self that a lot of women experience, and that is kind of the eye-opener and why many women walk in my door, too, is I feel stuck. I feel like I've lost who I am. I feel like I've lost my sense of purpose. I'm overwhelmed, and I don't know why. And then you just, I call it peeling back the layers of the onion, because here we are. We've been conditioned to be a certain way given the family environment we grew up in, our mm -hmm. society, societal conditioning. Um, and we've kind of checked all the boxes as we've gone along. We've done the college or maybe grad school. We've done the career thing, had the children, white pick a fence, dog, you know, all that good stuff. And then there's just this feeling that comes about at a certain point, which is, you know, is, is there more? And then as moms, we mm -hmm. get guilty and we feel guilty. We beat ourselves up for even asking the question of, you know, is this it for me? Um, so that's a whole little therapy session in and of itself. Yeah, I feel that there is, my, my non-professional opinion, <laughs> there is a whole layer of being, speaking of layers of an onion, that is revealed, mm -hmm. laid bare when we have children. And it is the great mystery of the universe to me why women are the sole carriers of that mm -hmm. burden, not burden because that sounds negative, but it takes a woman to get a woman after no one who hasn't experienced that just division of self after having children can, can quite understand what you're saying. But I know there are women out there nodding their head like, yes, mm -hmm. I had kids. Now what? Mm -hmm. Or I worked for 15 years in a career. Now 
what. Mm-hmm. what? What is, I know you're a spiritual person too, mm-hmm. uh, so I'm curious to get your thoughts on like the divine feminine experience. Mm-hmm. And, you know, not to get corny, but I just find so much beauty and inspiration in that struggle. It's what inspires my work is speaking to women. Mm-hmm. Like, you're talking about, you know, to help them find even one line to cast back to shore because Mm -hmm. we do feel adrift. So what is your Mm -hmm. spiritual take on like the big picture of, of, of the conflicts and difficulties we face as women? Yeah. I mean, that's a very, um, it's a big question. It's a big question. (laughs) (laughs) Why don't I, why don't you ask her, you know, about the big bang theory, Sonny? Gosh, I just should shut up. It is, it's just like, you know, not to get all, not to get all woo woo, but it's, the struggle is so beautiful and inspiring to me. Not that it's like a bad thing being a woman, but it is a fucking deep, mm-hmm. complicated existence mm-hmm. after you, especially after you bring another life into this world. Yeah. And I just love digging into that with other women because I'm curious to know if they find that conflict a little inspiring, crazy making and beautiful as I do. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure. I, it, yes. Plenty of women, myself included, definitely feel that the, the push and pull really mm-hmm. of it all. And as far as the divine feminine is concerned, I feel like it, to me, the divine, the divine feminine expresses, you know, we, we are the care, caregivers, we are the nurturers, we are the ones that are supposed to be in receptive mode. We're the ones that are um, generally the inspiration for other people in our lives around us. Um, and we're the backbone of the family, too. So to me, that's all-encompassing of the divine feminine. I think the struggle becomes, particularly here in the United States with our society, is the expectations that are placed upon women, mm-hmm. really. So yes, since whatever the 1950s, you know, we've, we've made this path that we want to be... Um, equal in the workplace. We want to have the ability to go and, and, you know, for me, it was practice law, you know, practice law alongside whomever. And it kind of puts women into a more masculinized role um, that becomes difficult, particularly when having a family, when having a husband, when having children, to to balance the two. It's like you're straddling a line constantly of, okay, I need to be this type of person over here for my family, for my children, for my husband. But, you know, I pursued this career. I want to do this. I want to achieve. I want to be out there in the workforce, in the workplace doing things. I want to help provide for my family. Mm -hmm. Um, And so there's just this constant back and forth. And what I talk to my clients about a lot of the time is it's like a pendulum. You'll never, it's never a perfect balance. Mm -hmm. You're going to swing from one to the other. And that's for holistic wellness in general too. Any, I call it the pie of life. There's so many pieces Mm -hmm. that make up who we are. And we're not going to have A's in all of the categories all of the time. But, you know, if we can have an A in two or three of them and then be working on the other ones and then the ebb and flow of it all. And it flip-flops at certain Mm -hmm. points. That really, really hit me hard because I was in that position too where, you know, and inherently – I'm trying not to fall back onto masculine again. You yeah. know, I'm trying to be progressive here, yeah. but like, you know, I occupied the world of career woman mm-hmm. and achiever, high achiever. Mm-hmm. I lived my job. I loved my job. Mm-hmm. But you're right. I remember walking into the door for dinner break, mm-hmm. you know, when, when I had kids, after I had kids, and almost like a layer fell off. Yeah. And I was a different person as soon as I walked in. Yeah. And it, 
it is it was exhilarating and exhausting mm-hmm. and and that's what pushed me eventually to kind of just occupy one of those spaces for now mm-hmm. that's I'm not saying that's the right decision there are plenty of women my own mother included mm-hmm. who you know chose to go back to a career I admire and love her for that mm-hmm. she was my inspiration but mm-hmm. um, you're right society does make it difficult mm-hmm. to have that balance because we're forced to be in one of those and that's probably the reason a lot of us feel this inner confusion turmoil. quite a bit yeah mm-hmm. so do you tend as far as your client base I know you said it's mostly women mm-hmm. are they a lot of times women in transition professionally speaking or who do, who do you get knocking on your door um it can be yes career-based um a lot of people going through divorces mm-hmm. or looking at whether they are in the right relationship and yeah. whether they need to transition regarding that um and you know, health crises. That's another big thing too. Let's talk about the relationship. I would like to break these down. What are some of the questions that you would ask a client who's coming to you and saying, Shanna, I'm in a relationship. not sure if this is right. Mm -hmm. How do you reach that person and what kind of um, prompts do you give them to do some proper self-reflection? Well, and that's the key is the self-reflection piece. So many people come in the door and it's all about what the other person is doing wrong and how they've been hurt and not that those pieces aren't very important to the overall story but I always start people with the self-reflective mode or position is okay let's take a look at again that pie of life so whether that includes you know career your spirituality you know your health what are you doing in your relationships your friendships um, finances I mean anything that kind of constitutes that pie and it's like where are you out of balance in Mm -hmm. those areas let's take a a look there first Mm -hmm. let's address what maybe needs addressing in all of these aspects and see as you shift and change and become more balanced holistically Mm -hmm. if your feelings regarding the relationship and whether that needs to be a moment of transition in your life for you is actually the decision that you want to be making because right. that's a big, it's, a, it's, I mean, I went through it myself. It's a huge life transition that has many implications, particularly if you have children involved and it's not something, you know, it's not a decision to be made lightly. So a lot of times when women come in my door, they're so, uh, you know, fed up with whatever is going on in the relationship itself. But if I can get them to take a few steps back and really, dig into some other areas of life and just make sure that those areas are actually well balanced for Mm -hmm. themselves and what they want in those areas of life first. And then we can dive into, you know, whether the relationship is something that they need to stay in or not. If you were to assign a number, how frequently do some of your clients go back and making any adjustments or changes, obviously asking their partner to do the same thing and stay versus go? Do you know, like, do you follow up and, and kind of keep in touch? At this point, uh, I mean, yes, I do. I generally know. And it really is a 50-50 split, yeah. I would say. I, I, we have to talk about this more because um, it's hard to have a relationship in this mm-hmm. day and age. Mm-hmm. There's plenty of access and temptation. And, mm-hmm. I mean, it, things that have always been there, but mm-hmm. the access to all of these things is just so much greater. What do you say to someone who was lost faith in the ability to have a successful relationship. I'm going to say successful because monogamous isn't always the definition of a successful relationship right. to everyone. So the question would be, yeah, 
lots of people are losing faith that that is possible. Mm -hmm. What do you think about that? I, when I work with people or work with women regarding this, it's, if they've made the decision at that point, you know, they are coming out of a relationship, whether it's a marriage or a long-term committed partnership, whatever the situation is, and they seem to have lost faith in it, I work almost in a, like a manifestation type way with them where it's, let's strip away everything, you know, all the gunk from the previous relationships, all the gunk that you've experienced. It's, you know, it happen for a reason. We can take the lessons that we need to learn from each of these relationships. But what is it that you want ideally in life? What is it that you want ideally in a relationship? And for some women, that takes a little bit of work to actually be able to articulate to me what it is that an ideal relationship looks like to them. And But once they do, and they start, I, I'll have them write it down, you know, start journaling what, give me the top 10, 15 things that, you know, you want to see in a partner that you want. But the most important thing being, how do you want to feel? Mm-hmm. Like, what is the feeling that you want to have in that relationship itself? And also, in the alternative, what is it that you bring to the table mm-hmm. as well? Because, you know, that's how you're going to attract your most ideal partner is making sure that you offer that person the same thing as well. And they start seeing as they get back out into the dating world, for instance, if they stay true to the intentions and to those things that they've outlined for themselves as what they want to see, they start see, start seeing people show up that represent those qualities. Right. And it kind of re, starts to rebuild the trust within themselves and others that, okay, this is, this is possible. So you're a believer in manifestation, which has come a, become a bit of a buzzword. Tell yeah. me why. Yeah, um, because I've seen it happen in my own life. Um, it's it's practice. Um, I think it. There's five million people that yeah talk about how it's done or the way to do it. Um, I found that you know I'm a big believer in like quantum physics and Dr. Joe Dispenza. He's got a lot of great research, like that's science based that backs a lot of manifestation work and neural rewiring, you know, all that type of subconscious work. Oh, yeah, no, give us the cliff notes. He's just saying that it actually is working, doing things in our brain, like rewiring. Yeah, it's all energy. It's all energy. We are energetic beings. Everything in the universe is energy. So really it's what are, what are, what frequency are you vibrating at? Mm -hmm. So for instance, if you have somebody that's out there looking for the relationship, but is doubting it, Mm what their energetic offering to the world is, is going to be much different than, okay, I've done the work on myself. I know these are the things that I want in a relationship. I know that I'm worthy of them. That person's going to be vibrating at a much different energetic level and their ability to attract, attract in, you know, that ideal partner, it's, it's, it's going to be much different depending on the space that they are energetically and what they're offering to the world. Yeah. So it's just getting really, to me, manifestations about getting very clear about what it is that you want, you know, that setting that clear intention, mm-hmm. um, creating the boundaries around whatever it is. So, you know, you're saying no to the things that you know aren't good for you or that aren't going to get you to the point that you want to be. And that just obviously greater spirituality, the the faith that there is something out there that is greater than us mm-hmm. that is operating in our highest good. 
Are you a believer in um, verbal manifestation, writing things down? Like what's a practical way that you use manifestation in your life? And is it a daily thing, an hourly thing? Like I know it can look different for certain people, for everybody. Yeah, it definitely looks different for everybody. Um, the way that I practice and why, the way I see my clients practicing is it's for the big things in life. I mean, you can do it for the small things too. It all, it operates the same way, but it is. I generally have them write whatever it is out. So like every day or? No, just... I'll start with just give me a vision statement. Mm -hmm. What do you want to see for your life? You know, write it down. Give me a couple of pages of I wake up in the morning and I have my warm glass of lemon water brought to me by my husband in bed. And mm -hmm. I, you know, like really just put it all out there. Details and everything. Yes. Yeah. And then, you know, there's that's, this is where people get caught up with manifestation. It's like, okay, well, I'm going to go say a bunch of these affirmations and expect that all of this stuff is going to change in my life. Well, that's not really how it works. You have to take intuitive action as well. So there's the action part of manifestation too. So you get, I don't know, a, a ping to go to the library one day and you go. You take that, you take that intuitive nudge, okay, let's go check out whatever book, whatever. And you end up meeting somebody that opens a, you know, a door to something else. It's, mm -hmm. But you're not going to manifest the things that you're writing on that list just sitting on your couch all day long. Mm -hmm. You have to actually take the action too. And again, having the faith, you right. know, just knowing that everything happens in divine timing, that um, the people or circumstances or situations are going to come your way as... The, I, you know, I call it God, the universe, mm -hmm. whatever, you know, sees fit. I like that better than everything happens for a reason. Everything happens in divine timing. Yes. I'm going to remember that because yeah. especially in light of what our world has been experiencing mm -hmm. lately, our collective grief, yeah. uh, it can be hard to get on the everything happens for a reason train. Right. Or at the very least, it can look like an unsympathetic way right. of viewing recent events. So I, I want to dive into that. Um, you are a person who's clearly intuitive and in tune with, you know, vibrational frequencies or energies or mm -hmm. whatever. What is your, um, how's your soul feeling these days <laughs> after everything that 2020 <laughs> has been dishing out? 2020 has been a tough, it's a tough, tough year. Um, I go through my waves just like anybody else does. Mm -hmm. There's certainly a heaviness to my heart on certain days. Um, but again, I guess just falling back on that faith piece for me as well as just knowing that um, we're all experiencing this together. Mm -hmm. um, I do believe that we are all connected in those ways. I know some people, you know, don't necessarily believe that, but I, I feel that we do. And so we are experiencing that collective grief. We are all... It's it's unlike anything I yeah. know any of us have experienced. Certainly not in my lifetime. This is a first. Yeah, the the, the sort of piling on of um, pain after pain after pain after pain after pain. And like you said, everybody's um, going to feel or interpret that differently because we're all different people seeing the world through our lenses. But um, mm -hmm. it's been difficult, I've noticed, for people in my life who are empaths. I'm a, a severe empath. I call it. Mm -hmm. like, it can be hard for me to, I mean, get through a conversation, not that yeah. it's about me, but right. what is your advice 
for the feelers of the world right now. Yeah, it's, I mean, self-care and self-love are so mm-hmm. important right now. Um, and for the ones that are out there that, you know, are the healers that are working one-on-one with people who are, you know, still in physical contact with people, and even just, you know, the ones that aren't necessarily in the healing arts, but are empaths too, it's just making sure that you take that time every day to ground yourself. And when I say grounding, that works in different ways for everybody. That could be you're taking a walk outside in nature. Mm. You know, you're sitting down on the grass or you're doing a short meditation in your room where you actually are envisioning, you know, a cord coming in through your center, grounding yourself into earth, basically. Mm-hmm. Um Another great thing is like Epsom salt baths, you know, basically anything that's going to reset your energetic field. um, And that does that? Yeah. How does the salt work to do that? It just, something about the chemical makeup of salt helps to reset, yeah, your auric field. So, and when you have empaths, you're absolutely right. It's, you, it's piled upon piled upon piled upon piled. So the more that you can take that time every day to mm-hmm. just sit in stillness, sit in, in the way, whatever it is that feeds your soul, mm-hmm. what feels good to you. It could be listening to music and dancing around your bedroom. Maybe mm-hmm. that's your release, you know, mm-hmm. whatever it is that works for you. Cause we are all different. Mm-hmm. Just making sure that you're doing it every day. And, um, like really making it a habit, whether it's a morning routine, an evening routine, something um, that you're making sure that you know, you're doing it on a daily basis right now. I don't want to turn this into a personal therapy session, but I do want to ask you one more <laughs> question here. Um, I tend to be, <laughs> oh God, I'm revealing myself for the crazy person that I am. I tend to be the type of person who has a difficult time understanding why other people don't show how they care as much. I don't want to say that don't care because I know that we all have our different ways of showing Mm -hmm. empathy, sympathy, compassion. What can I do to try to broaden my appreciation for the fact that everybody's going to go at things differently? Because as someone who very comfortably lays bare my feelings, Mm -hmm. it kind of gets my goat Mm -hmm. when I live in a world where I see that not many people are openly sympathizing, empathizing, sharing their thoughts. Mm -hmm. It can be confusing for me. Mm -hmm. Um, It's impacted my ability to even have friendships sometimes because Mm -hmm. I find myself um, in a position where if I don't get the feeling that the person is opening up as much, I start to get like confused, like, is it something I did or why is this person not feeling comfortable? Give me something that I can do differently here Mm -hmm. because I don't want to carry that anymore. It feels aggressive and I'm not an aggressive person, but, um, I think a lot of people are in the, in that, in a similar position lately where they're not understanding why doesn't everyone see the world like I do. Mm -hmm. It's selfish, but help me through this. It's yeah, I wouldn't call it selfish really. It's just who you are and the way that you bear your feelings and your heart to the world. And, you know, you might not necessarily like this answer, but, I would say everybody's on their own path with this and it's a level of acceptance of that everybody's on their own journey, that they are all figuring it out alongside of us in different ways. And at the point that 
those people or those friendships, you know, that doesn't feel good to you anymore. Mm. It doesn't feel in alignment with who you are as, mm. as the being that you are. Then yes, those those friendships, those relationships do tend to start to fall away, mm-hmm. and that's okay. Yeah, I find myself saying that to myself a lot, which is a simple phrase, but that's okay, mm-hmm. right? Like sometimes you know we feel like maybe if I pour a little different type of energy or more energy into this relationship, right. it'll work out. Let me just make up for that mm-hmm. imbalance, or let me do less. Let me pull back because I'm too much for this person. Clearly, mm-hmm. but maybe those are the things that we all, or I, or whoever's in that position, needs to just say you know what, it's just maybe that's not meant to be and that's okay. Yeah, because I, and that's something I talk to my clients about a lot is one door closes, the other one opens, mm-hmm. you know. So those people that aren't necessarily able to vibe with you, for lack of a better term, at that point, there's going to be somebody else that is, right. that will come into your life, that you're able to have those conversations with, that you're able to see, you know, in the same light as as what you are exuding to the world too so uh, not that I yeah I mean I want to make it clear I'm not saying I'm like doing things better I think I'm just no. a little I think I'm a little crazy <laughs> I think I just am like a big big feeler yes and Which I came from a family it's 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 beautiful but ask my husband if it's beautiful especially like in my PMS way he's like nope it is not beautiful <laughs> she's crazy um but no it's a valuable lesson and and um it's shocking to me, I mean, not really, that I'm almost 40, I'll be 39 this this year, mm-hmm. that um, it's shocking and beautiful that you can continue to, like, discover all these things you need to fix about yourself. Like, I got work to do, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and I like knowing specifically what to do to make it better. Yeah. Um, I want to talk about something that you have addressed in several blog posts on your site and that I really wanted to focus on today. Um because when you saw it, or when you posted it, I saw it, and I was like, oh my gosh, I never really thought of that as an applicable topic to what we're going through today. But mm-hmm. you did this whole segment on honoring your inner child mm-hmm. and the fact that a lot of us, whether we know it or not, can carry the feelings of trauma from experiences mm-hmm. of our childhood. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily trauma, like bad things physically right. have happened, but is everyone in some way a hurting inner child? Do we all have elements of our personality that show today mm-hmm. that are a result of what happened to us as children? Yes. So I like to call it big T or little T trauma. You know, some of us have had big T trauma in our childhoods. Um, those are the more severe cases. Um, and then we have little T trauma too, though. And, you know, trauma, I think, at least in the wellness industries it, the word is getting thrown around so much that I think it's there's a big question mark there as you know what is trauma what you know when we're referring to it, a big question mark um but the little t trauma so it could have simply been I don't know your dad getting mad at you because you didn't get an a on a report card you know something as minor as the teacher yelling at you in a classroom when all of your friends were around you got embarrassed and um, went into a shame cycle over that. There's, it doesn't have to be the big things that we used to think trauma were. There's also these smaller incidents that happen, even in the best childhoods. You know, we don't. Some of us had wonderful parents with wonderful childhoods. Even those people still had occurrences in their childhood that, yes, if you don't address them later in life. There, there, we all have that inner piece of us. Mm-hmm. I call it the inner child. There is that younger version of ourselves that 
because at whatever age, six, seven, eight, nine, twelve, we experienced a certain circumstance or situation that our little brains couldn't process at the time. It just, we did not have the emotional capability of processing through the situation itself. So um, we just have kind of stored that within our systems. And when I talk about doing inner child work, it's going in and, and, and comforting that piece of ourselves because what we see come forward later in life in our years, I'm 39 this year as well, is you know, we have these triggers that happen throughout our life and whether that's in relationships or jobs or family dynamics and you start to see a pattern with those triggers and you go, okay, well, here's the trigger. What, what happened? You know, what is it that my inner child needs in this moment? And for a lot of us, it's, I need to feel safe I need to feel comforted. I'm overwhelmed right now. I'm scared right now. Or it can be something, I'm, I'm hungry. Mm-hmm. You know, there's these kind of core concepts that the inner child seems to carry throughout our lives that if we can be aware that we are being triggered in mm-hmm. a situation and take a step back and away from the trigger itself, there really is an opportunity for very deep healing because if we don't heal that piece of ourselves, it will always call the shots. That little right. child that's in there is calling the shots. It's all, it kind of links into even our subconscious patterning. You know, mm-hmm. the subconscious mind dictates 95% of our behavior. Only that's 5% crazy. of our conscious mind that, you know, we're using every day does anything with regards to our behavior. It's all from our early conditioning, our early um, patterning that we carry through. So how do you hone in on what your childhood issue is? What's the work that it takes to get there? Well, you can do it, uh, you know, being a certified hypnotherapist, I found that that's a great way to kind of unearth what it is, what were the circumstances that um, cause the issue that you are struggling with today. And will it come through like an anecdote, like one story that sort of is a symbol for the bigger mm-hmm. issue? Does that, is that how it comes through in those sessions? Yeah. I mean, generally when I work with people, it's, we do three. So we'll go back to three different events throughout life. And it doesn't necessarily have to be, you know, super young in life. Some people's experiences that were pivotal happened in their 20s. You know, there was one when they were six, there was one when they were 15, and there was one when they were 22. Right. You know, and it's very um, interesting to see just the thread of it all through people's lives and how it kind of has presented itself in different ways. Um, But yes, hypnotherapy is a great way to get into the subconscious piece of it and actually dig in and see what memories are there, what events cause the issue. And, and then after you identify that sort of trigger point, mm-hmm. that childhood trauma, do you assign work to sort of directly address that? Or is it, and, and how, how do you fix something that's so old and so ingrained? Yeah, so on the more sciencey side of it is we all have neural pathways in our brain. So I think of it as like a, a racetrack. Mm-hmm. Um, and the car is driving on one racetrack, one loop, one Daytona loop, right? And 
that's the subconscious patterning that we've had. So we experience a situation, we default in our reaction to whatever that loop is that's played for our entire lives. And the great thing about doing subconscious work is you get in and you see, you, you create the awareness around why, what that root cause was, why it's there, but then you start redoing that loop. You start ingraining a new neural pathway in your brain so that as situations in the future present themselves, you're on a new track. And right. it takes it takes practice. It's not like an overnight right. you're going to it's going to happen right away. So And how does that look practically? D- digging the dirt for the new track, so to speak. Like right. is that um talk therapy? Is that a mantra? Is that can be. It can. So the particular form that I practice, rapid transformational therapy, is, um, you know, we do a session. You uncover the root cause of things. We start um, restructuring within the session itself. We start redoing the neural pathways. But then there's a three-week time period after I meet with people where they are listening to a personalized uh, meditation every day to really ingrain that new pathway within their brains. Wow. And how long are those recordings usually? How many times do you suggest they listen to them? Um, it's usually 15 to 20 minutes long mm-hmm. and they're supposed to listen every day. Um, if they go more than two or three days without listening, then they need to start the 21 days over, but it's all, it's creating habit, a new habit basically. Right. And there's, you know, you start to develop those new beliefs very early on in that three-week time period. But what people tend to see and need support around is, okay, I know that I carry this new belief now, yet here is a issue that I would have reacted in this way to that I know I don't need to react in that way because I've healed what I needed to heal. But now my family is responding to me in a different way. What do I do? Oh, that's interesting. So the ripple effect kind of. Oh, wow. I never thought of that. So it, again, is just making sure that, number one, I personally give my clients the support that they need. And, you know, I call it whack-a-mole. You know, so (laughs) (laughs) you address one thing, one thing pops up, and you, you know, you just kind of batten them down. Spiritual whack-a-mole. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Wow, that's fascinating. So RTT, Rapid Transformational Therapy, Mm -hmm. if we're going in as a potential client for this, how many sessions do you usually take to see results? Yeah, it's usually, I mean, depending on the severity of the issue itself, um, two to three sessions. And what's the thought? Obviously, Rapid is in there for a reason. Mm -hmm. Is the thought behind this theory that it's working quicker and how is it working so much quicker than a traditional um, say therapy course would right so when you go in for a traditional like talk therapy right you're speaking on the conscious level to somebody so it's all about the brain waves that we get into when we do hypnotherapy itself so Beta is where we do traditional talk therapy. So that's our conscious mind. It's regular conversation. It's where we experience stress and anxiety. And then we've got the alpha waves, which we go into when for quiet time, you're in the shower, or if you like flying, you're in the, you know, on an airplane looking out the window, Mm -hmm. whatever, like that's alpha. That's the daydreaming type of brainwave that we get into. Delta is our sleep. So it's where we dream. It's that real, real deep, um, and, and almost like a very, very slow brainwave that you see. Um, and then there's theta, which is where we do, if you meditate, um, or we do hypnotherapy, it's, uh, it's 
deeper than alpha, um, but more conscious than delta. Okay. So what that allows us to do is once you get into that state, um, it's like meditating with a goal in mind is how I kind of equate. And what do people in that state, after they come out of a session, tend to tell you it feels like? Or do they have no recollection of the time spent in that theta state? Oh, no. They have a complete recollection. Oh, they do? What do they yes. tell you? Yes. Like, it's just like, it really is like going into a meditation. Because it's I'm always the type of person, now listen, the only time I've ever tried, big air quotes, yeah. hypnotherapy <laughs> was like at a resort in Mexico. The guy was like, watch this. You know, uh -huh. and then there's always the three people that get legitimately hypnotized and you're like, this can't be real, right? Yeah. But then they're out there, you know, taking their shirt off and you're like, oh my God, they're really hypnotized. Yeah. I've always said, I'm unhypnotizable. Mm -hmm. Could you get me in a state, do you think? Like, because there's going to be some critics out there like, oh, it just never works on me. Yeah, yeah. Um, most people, I would say 95% of the people are definitely able to get into the theta state. And are we like just spilling all of our deep, dark secrets to you at that point? Well, that's the, like... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I know, no, 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 I don't want to say that because you're a, you're an upstanding <laughs> therapist here, but I mean, that is like, it seems like the locker's open there and all the sh shit's coming pouring out, right? Right, <laughs> right. Well, but that's what you want, okay. you know, you want, if you're dealing with, you know, whatever patterning later in life or right. wounding later in life, you need to do you've got to get to the root cause of whatever that is. And yes, obviously it's a very safe space and right. everything's confidential and things like And the other piece I feel it's always important to stress with hypnotherapy too, because we've had this Hollywood culture and stage hypnotherapist and people just have this really wacky view of what we do. Mm -hmm. And, um, it really is just about getting into a meditative state. You have complete control over what it is that you're saying. You have complete okay. control over what it is you're doing. And the easiest example to give is, if we really were mind controllers, uh, we would all be billionaires. You would be driving <laughs> Ferrari. You would be turning over your cars and your... You will give me all right. the contents of your checking account. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So, um, and just even from my own personal experience and being in sessions that were yeah. being done on me, myself, if things got said incorrectly, even though I was in that state, I knew, my body knew, my mind was able to kick stuff out. I was seeking help with immune support and somebody kept saying an autoimmune disorder. It was like my mind knew like, no, 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 you don't have an autoimmune disorder. So there's, there's no mind control in it. Right. You're conscious enough to be able, you know, to tell me the things that happen that we need healing on. But you know, it's not like you're going to go quack like a duck afterwards. <laughs> I don't know. These people were doing strange things in Mexico, let me tell you. This guy was like, oh. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, that's good to know because I think a barrier to entry for some of these therapies can be people thinking that they're going to expose something that they're not comfortable with mm -hmm. or that they aren't a good candidate for it. So I feel like you dispelled mm -hmm. both of those, yeah. which is good. Yeah. I feel like the world could use some RTT right now. I think so too. There's some addressing of um, childhood issues that needs mm -hmm. to be going on. Mm -hmm. uh, I, you know, I'm sure you're seeing, um, do you, con you consider yourself, I'm sure, like a feeler, an empath, mm -hmm. or a, a sort of a more spiritual person. Um, if you were like given, you know, access to all media for one day and you're on everybody's TV and you're automatically speaking in their language, what is the one, as a spiritual person, a person who addresses um, spiritual health, what would mm -hmm. you want people to know to help them um, act better, do better, 
and in turn make the world better. If you could just give them, and, and this could be something small as, you know, like you were saying, mm -hmm. find time to yourself. It could be something as long as you want, but mm -hmm. people are grasping right now. So what would your advice be? Um, yes, taking that time every day to connect to yourself. You know, we're watching so much unfold before us and in ways that many of us never expected to see. And that can be overwhelming. It can be anxiety producing. We don't have a lot of, we don't feel like we have a lot of control over what's going on, that things are happening to us. Mm -hmm. And that's a very difficult place to be in emotionally and spiritually. So the more that you can connect into who you are on the inside, mm -hmm the things that bring you peace and solace and comfort, the better off you're going to be going throughout your day. And when you're able to do that and get into that space yourself, those around you, the ones that you love or the ones that you're helping and society, you know, it's, it's going to be that more beneficial mm -hmm. to the people that you touch throughout your day too. But, you know, you saying you're an empath and sensitive, a highly sensitive person, things like that, you know, we tend to try and fix, like, we just want to fix, 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 fix it all. You see an issue, you want to try and help, you want to fix, and it's all, it, it's important, and we need to do that where we can, but when we start taking it all on ourselves is right. where we really start to run into an issue, because we get depleted, and then once we're depleted, what, what good are we to anybody? Right. So it really is connecting in, figuring out those things that really help you to feel at peace and making sure you're, you know, you're doing that first thing in the morning before you go into your day. And maybe the last thing that you do before you go to bed at night, you know, mm -hmm. whatever that practice might be for yourself. Um, just so that you're kind of clearing the energetic deck in the morning right. and at night. Do you have hope that our world will see peace? Yes. Sooner rather Absolutely. than later. You do. I do. I do. I think there's going to be uh, a major restructuring of many things that we are starting to see unfold. And I, you know, I think that will probably continue happening over the next year. But, um, you know, at all, <laughs> very cliche, it's happening for a particular reason. Um, and I think a lot of good can come out of what's happening. So, I mean, it's yet to be seen how long it all lasts, but mm -hmm. I do have hope. I'm a person who does, to some degree, believe in, you know, astrology mm -hmm. and sort of predetermined yes. and divine things. You know, people can judge me for that. That's okay. Yeah. Um, but I'd be curious to, like, um, sit down with, like, a, a true, you know, astrologist no. mm -hmm. or astrologer, I should say, and, yeah. and see if this was all, if this was supposed to be the year of reckoning, because it sure feels like it. It is. So. I'm, I'm a big a big astrology buff myself oh, as okay. well. So of the ones that I follow here nationally, this, yeah, this was certainly in the stars and in the planets that this was going to happen. So divine timing. Yes. Yeah. Love it. Okay. Well, <laughs> Shanna, tell us where we can find you, where we can work with you. If you're, um, you know, if any of the listeners are local, just tell us where we can learn sure. more about Shine Wellness. Um, yes. So website is shinewellness.org. Um, 
you can email email me, Shanna at shinemellis.org. And I have office space over across from Winter Park Village that I meet with people when I do coaching and hypnotherapy. So um, I'm on Instagram at shine underscore wellness and Facebook. Um, so yeah, you can reach out to me in any of those platforms. And, and I saw you're running um, a special, I went online, it was a 20% off some packages. Yes. Okay, so tell so us the you, details on that. Yeah, if you sign up for the newsletter itself, then you will be emailed a coupon for 20% off whatever yeah. service it is that you choose. So. Awesome. Yeah, and guys, definitely check out her Instagram. I mean, I think um, that platform is so great for getting small bits of really useful information, and mm-hmm. I'm always learning something from your IG. Mm-hmm. You are wonderful, Shannon. Thank mm-hmm. you for coming Thank in. Thank you. I really appreciate it. Of course, of course. Wonderful to be here. All right, guys, thank you so much for listening to that episode. I am serious when I say I'm going to be looking into RTT. And if I do that, I will bring you along on the journey. Um, I'm all for making our toolbox a little bigger to deal with things and to find out about new ways to address all the big things we're feeling. I just think it's awesome. I'm so grateful to Shanna who came in to spend some time with us today. As she said, make sure you find her on Instagram, shine underscore wellness. Follow me on Instagram as well. I'm at Sunny Abada. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review. That actually makes a huge difference, guys. This podcast game is hard these days. There's just so many out there. So every time you do leave a rating and review, it actually does help. I'm grateful if you done so. If you do, um, thank you ahead of time. Have a great day. Thank you so much for listening. And I will be back next week with more goodness here on 30 something. Have a good one.